0: Good afternoon, and sorry for the slight delay. Um, I didn't take forty-eight hours, like the football monitoring board, to come live. Maybe just four minutes. But um, Robbie uh, is hoping to join me this afternoon. Unfortunately, he's just having a bit of technical diff- difficulties with his sound quality, which is why um, there was a slight delay to to going live. But I'll get going just now, and Robbie will do his best to to join me. If not, I'll just plough on um, on my own. Um, but there's plenty of you watching along um, on the stream just now over on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. So make sure to comment below with your thoughts on what we witnessed yesterday. Um, maybe not on the pitch, but off the pitch. it certainly got, got a lot of talking points as Jim Goodwin's tenure as Aberdeen manager came to an abrupt end. Um, Hibs beating us 6-0, uh, another capital punishment. Um, it's safe to say for those... That travelled down um, to watch the game. Uh, and a real sorry, sad state of affairs for the way uh, Jim Goodwin's time in charge ended, of course. The football club coming out with the statement of support for Jim Goodwin, of course, that being conducted by the Football Monitoring Board. Um, but we only saw four days later, of course, that immediate response that the board were looking for from not only Goodwin, but the senior players um, never really materialized, did it? Um, A lot of questions, of course, will be asked um, on the decision to to keep Jim Goodwin in charge um, for this game, but I think also rightly a lot of questions should be asked on those, not only senior players, but the rest of the players on the pitch yesterday because their performance was severely lacking. Um, and has been severely lacking for the last 10 days, an absolute sad 10 days in the club's recent history um, where we've kind of dropped down to the, the laughing stock of Scottish football. And I know for uh, there's a lot of you joining in near and far to, to this live, Mark Robertson, I see in the comments there, and of course, joining in from America. doesn't matter where you've been um, in the world, Uh, Over the last 10 days, it's been tough supporting Aberdeen and um, certainly the talk of the offices um, wherever you may work. Um, So over the course of the next hour or so, um, we'll be looking back at yesterday's defeat. What happened um, in the the lead up to the weekend's game that that saw, of course, Jim Goodwin take charge? What now for um, the club do we take time in appointing the new man in charge? Will it be another rushed um, appointment? And will there be more changes, um, Mark, as you said, are we all in agreement that the director of football also needs addressed? it um, be an interesting uh, few days coming up for Dave and the rest of that football and monitoring board. Of course, they were the ones that made the decision to keep Jim Goodwin in a job, um, and I suppose ultimately put him out of the job as well. But let's see where we go from there. Ali, hello, good to see you joining in from the other side of the world, from Mark um, over in Melbourne. And we've got Stephen Elric in Singapore. So we're pretty worldwide, um, well, this afternoon for me anyway, um, in Aberdeen um, and maybe evening time for some of you as well. Robbie has hopefully got his technical difficulties sorted. Robbie is down in Ayrshire, so we're still keeping it in Scotland. But Robbie, um, hopefully sorted now at your end. Uh, hopefully. Can you hear me all right now? Yeah, that sounds a lot better than it did before we went live. Not crackly. Good to have you with yeah, us uh, on Venting.
1: Uh, delighted to be back on the show, but just not in the circumstances we really want to be speaking about <laughs> the club, to be honest.
0: No, uh, absolutely. So, uh, as I said in that time whilst you got yourself sorry, Jim Goodwin's reign as Aberdeen manager came to an end uh, after, uh, after one year in charge, 42 games. 17 wins 7 draws and 18 defeats what was your initial reaction because obviously you were working on the game yesterday um Robbie what was your initial reaction come full time I take it's no real surprise that he lost his job after what we saw in midweek
1: no it was no real surprise but it was it got to that point where I didn't even feel angry it was just sadness and I know a lot of people might not have sympathy for Jim Goodwin and his win percentage and the way he's handled things but that photo of him walking over that <laughs> advertising board, like it just it just painted a really sorry picture. I know he probably took that matter into his own hands in a sense to avoid the players, etc., and wrath from the fans, but I just I just felt really sad. Like the whole evening was just and even this morning, I just feel like quite low about the club and it should have never been a situation that Goodwin was put put under, even having to do that press conference on Friday, then to have to walk out, and then there was obviously that bad sheet with Goodwin out, and the fans were clearly unhappy. But as I heard you say just in that brief before I came on, Goodwin was just only a small part of the problem. So I don't think get, dismissing Goodwin and Lee Sharp is going to solve our immediate issues. And to be honest, come 5 o'clock, or well, 4.45, I was just absolutely in disbelief how much the players immediate response lacked any response and any fight and any effort and to be honest if n- none of them played for the club again it wouldn't be a loss i know i know it's cliche saying it's in an angry time but i know we're going to go through the game in the situation in more detail but i think that hayden coulson lack of effort and then just lying on the ground just summed up the day for me <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think it's harsh just to, to pick up on, on Hayden just in, in particular. But the, the goal that you're referring to, um, I think I tweeted at the time, I said I think it sums up um, yeah, our season. Um, although Liam Scales said, hold my beer and I'll show you how it really sums up our season and when he conceded that penalty and subsequently got himself sent off. I mean, if we didn't have any problems at centre-back, they could do without keep getting themselves sent off. Um, Obviously, there was talk of uh, Matty Pollock, I think his name is, from Watford coming up to to join on loan. Um, I'm not sure what he's thinking after watching that yesterday, but I don't really want to go into the game too much from yesterday. I I think a lot what um, me and Callum, Johnny and, and previous guests that we've had on the show have said covers really the debacle from yesterday. Um, You know, Jim Goodwin said Aberdeen was an emotional city. Jim Goodwin said the defence was easy to fix. I mean, we're seeing an outpouring of emotion across the the fan base, let alone the city, on the back of the last 10 days, I think, not just yesterday aside. But that easy-to-fix defence is now the worst defence in the league on the back of um, yesterday's defeat. And I think, unfortunately, Jim said on Friday in that, press conference the talk is cheap it's the actions that we need to see and unfortunately for him he wasn't able to back up the talk but I think you've also got to say the players also didn't live up to the talk that Jim built up in them.
1: Yeah absolutely Glenn I totally agree with everything you said there because you've got you've got to look at Jim, uh, he said in that press conference, he hadn't had too much time to think about Hibs because he was sorting out his own future. But that players, yeah. there's enough senior pros who've been around the game enough, and even like like Shanae, Lewis, you've got Hayes. And anyone, where any professional pride, would take some sense of responsibility because oh, yeah. I, I I personally think that they, they proved they couldn't get a reaction from that Hearts emulation last week, so if they couldn't get that for the Dybal game, it was just... You, you always see that memes going about that repeating the same mistake is just going to lead in disaster sort of thing. And that's exactly what happened. It just felt like the inevitable because as soon as you see that quick fire... Because teams are most vulnerable when they score, but bloody hell, for Aberdeen, just made it so easy for Hibbs. You think, OK, concede, um, early, we'll, we'll settle. But if it wasn't for... I think Joe Lewis, just for time or something, stopped it from being like even worse. And that's saying something. He actually made a save. But yeah. I don't want to into the game too much itself. But the players, they have to take a long, hard look at themselves. Just the profession, the professional footballers, they get all, all on salaries we could dream of. And yeah. they're not showing that pride. I was, as we'll probably get into what climax said, but I totally agree with, 1700 Dons fans paying good money to come down to Edinburgh at the end of January and just getting let down like on the road every time. It's not like if these results were in isolation and just like a one off sort of thing, you'd maybe take it on board. But these three results coupled together, I'm probably right in saying is the worst week of 10 days in our history.
0: Well, it certainly feels like it. And that's an excellent point, Robbie, because you could argue. If these results were in isolation, Jim Goodwin could have been afforded more time. But the problem is, they've been regular throughout the season. I think I saw a tweet actually from Laurie Dunzire, of course, who we put on the, the podcast previously, uh, of course, from Scars Around the Funnel and the Hearts TV commentator. And he highlighted the Tannadice game, the Camarnock game, um, and then the, the most recent two defeats in the Klamarnik, um in the capital. And that's been throughout the season, it's not just been a run, this has almost been on the cards and um, I don't know if John is um, tuning in or if he's still severely hungover from his burn supper last night but this has been on the cards really since that night at Tanadice in October and I, I bang the drum constantly on this podcast that we're not learning from the mistakes that we were made despite what Jim said we would do and I think a lot of questions people are going to have is what the hell did we do during that trip to atlanta and maybe some people treating it as a stag do rather than a um you know trip away to actually work on some stuff i know obviously not all first team players could make the trip for various reasons as well but it, it, it was it's just not gone right since we went stateside but no. robbie given the the football monitoring board because i'm going to put this on them i'm not going to put it on the whole board um as a whole given the Football Monitoring Board gave the backing to to Jim Goodwin and also said the senior players supported the manager, they asked for an immediate response. We didn't see that yesterday. Were you surprised on Wednesday? Because obviously you're a freelance journalist, do a lot of work for the Daily Record and and some of the Aberdeen papers as well. You know, some of my friends who also work up up here for, for the Press and Journal were aware that there was Two statements drafted by the club, and they were just waiting for which one they were going to be sent. So, were you surprised that the club went with the the support and also, you know, stating that the, the players gave him the support because it really felt like the players threw the manager under the bus yesterday by just simply not turning up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You hit the you hit the nail on the head with that one. The senior players. As I alluded to in a previous point, senior players, who, who was it who reconvened with Cormac and the Football Monitoring Board and said, yeah, we're all behind them? You would think, I know it's hard to maybe speak up to a boss or whatever, but you'd think it would have been the right thing to do. To If it is, the term gets banned about a lot, but if he had lost the dressing room and there wasn't playing mm. for him, which is clearly evident that that's been the case since the World Cup break, then yeah. they should have just been open and transparent to the board and said, yeah, we're really unhappy with the way this is going with Goodwin. Just pull the trigger on him and get Robson in or whatever, on an interim basis. If we had it was an interim charge, I don't think it could have went any worse on Saturday. And it's what it's one of these things. Hindsight is a wonderful thing because I'll credit Dave Cormack for coming out straight after the game and taking matters upon himself. But Why were we left in cold for 48 hours after the Dybal game? If you'd done that in an initial point, then I think this all could have been avoided. Like, went on Clyde One the other day and called us a laughing stock, And I think that is just what we have become over the last week. Just every action just seems to get more like, if he was a non Aberdeen fan, you'd find it like peak Scottish football. But for us, it's just been absolute dismal just to see what is having to go on and just some of the stuff around the club is just it's it's sad like all i can say is just, it's sadness like seeing the way that and i know you're we probably going to like crocodile tears and all that but i i just think everyone yesterday just felt like it's an all-time low for the club and that the senior players especially because their names are included in that that statement yeah. They can probably have to be held accountable a little bit more. But as a collective, as I say, professional footballers, you should never, ever, because I'm going to band this out to listeners and yourself, most of those players, if not them all, will never play for a bigger club than Aberdeen. And I think a lot of them are maybe shrugging that responsibility and pressure that comes upon them of playing for a club with a big fan base, etc.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think... Willie Miller tried to make a similar point, albeit maybe made a bit of a hash of it on Sportsound yesterday with some of the foreign players coming in and maybe not understanding what it means to to play for a club like Aberdeen. You've also got players on loan at the club who know fine well that at the end of their deals will be away from the, the shambles that is Aberdeen just now and can go on to other things. But I think you know that that's a fair point and we'll kind of come on to that, that Cormac interview and who we want to see in charge of, or certainly take charge of the Aberdeen job on a permanent basis going forward um, a little bit later on. But yesterday, as we kind of touched on, Robbie, it it was pretty brutal. But I think, you know, sadness is kind of the the right word to use. It, It was a really sad end to Jim Goodwin's time in charge. But it really summed up the bleak nature of the last 10 days. 12 goals conceded, dumped out the cup by Darvill no goals scored across the three games as well uh, and the only passion as much as I wasn't a fan of the tears the only passion that we saw over the last 10 days was that press conference from Dave Cormack after the Hibs game and um, I mean you can't question he's passionate but just maybe some of the execution is is lacking in my opinion Jesus Christ the amount of hate I got off the back of that tweet yesterday oh, I um, uh... <laughs> but I, I, I can't remember, Robbie, it, certainly in recent years, you're maybe going back to Stevie Patterson times, a, a run as brutal uh, as this and a feeling of, of as low in our support as this.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm 23 years old and I don't think I've ever felt so low and down. Like, and you know, I know it's knee jerk, you know, but I've seen a lot of people online say this, like, where is wins gotta come with this team? And he shouldn't be looking at relegation, but with the way I think the league I think the league is, other than Celtic Rangers and Hearts, everyone is in a bit of a bad goes through bad spells and no one can put a run together. So I think we'd be okay, but it's get it's getting that next next appointment and next steps, right? Because, yeah, at the moment, I've not seen us be on such a poor run. And I'll have to eat humble pie because I've been on social media um, and podcasts alike and said I wanted Jim Goodwin as manager. But I realised, in hindsight, what happened was we we were put with Jim Goodwin or Jack Ross as kind of the options. And it was such a swift process kind of after Stephen Glass was dismissed. The the, the net wasn't cast really any wider. I know he'd summed it out. I think the Cowley brothers and a couple of other people, but it was really much Jim Goodwin or Jack Ross. Yeah. And I was like, Jack Ross, no chance. Jim Goodwin, young upcoming manager, seems to have turned the corner with St Let's give him a chance. And I dealt with him many times in the media, before and after games, or even have seen him as a fan. And he was always a jack with us. I don't know what went on behind the scenes and everything, but yeah, it's just, I don't I don't remember in my time So many 4 nils, 5 nils, 6 nils, And I think the red flag could have been, I think he only won two of his 12 games at the end of last season when he first came in. And he hoped to get that new manager bounce, but it never happened. And then he exiled a lot of players out the club and released players early. And I know hindsight, as I say, is a wonderful thing, but just some of that experienced heads, they never looked like it was an experienced head to help him, and that's why mm-hmm. she says he feels sorry for him, because he's got to have to learn from this mistake, so there's a lot of, lot of soul-searching probably going to go on in the next period, but you've never seen Lee Sharp animated, it was always Craig Sampson he would yeah. go to, and things of like that, I think he was badly let down, just like I'll probably say when we go on to speak about Cormac, probably trusting people too much, and been badly let down by maybe overestimating the capabilities of what they should or can do.
0: Mm. It's funny, um, a lot of people obviously mentioning Lee Sharp, I think for the first time in a long time, he's going to actually have to take his hands out of his pocket to accept that P45 of his. But no, I think you're absolutely right. Hindsight um, is uh, a wonderful thing. I I agree. I think when you said the the point you made about um, Jack Ross or uh, Jim Goodwin, it was for me i wanted jim goodwin in charge Um fully was behind the appointment i think so was callum and yeah it, it hasn't worked out and you're right we never got that new manager bounce that so many clubs seem to get i think we were the only club that didn't get it last season certainly that that's what it felt like and i think when you speak about soul searching in reference to jim goodwin after the decision yesterday i also think there'll be a lot of soul searching being done by Dave Cormack, because that's two for two that haven't worked out. The pressure is really on him to get this uh, appointment right. Uh, Johnny, have you with us? Even though you're a few minutes behind, and yes, I thought you might be hungover as well. But Robbie, yesterday, I, I have to say I felt really sorry for Jim Goodwin. You know, you spoke about the way he exited. We'll come onto that slightly, but. Yesterday, he was on an absolute hiding to nothing um, based on that statement that came out on Wednesday. He knew that if he won, the fans were still not going to be overly impressed and he would have had to go on a severely long winning run to even begin to win the fans over and defeat was going to spell the end. And as soon as that first goal went in, you know, I think obviously you were at Easter Road, the, the chants were coming across on the 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 stream that I was watching on about you know the players weren't fit to wear the shirt it, it, you know I was speaking to to Johnny on Friday and I said you know that first goal and we said it on the podcast as well that first goal was going to be hugely important and unfortunately we didn't get it and yeah things just didn't work out for for him and the players yesterday and it, it just a sad end to the whole sorry situation of the last ten days
1: yeah. Absolutely, and I also think, in, in regards to the, what you're saying, Glenn, the yeah he just was on a hiding to nothing, and you can understand why he maybe just because it you, we all heard his press comments. He said he doesn't, he's never shrugged a tackle in his career, and he um, wanted to keep on with the challenge. And who wouldn't when you know you could get a six figure payoff, and it's the biggest job he's had in his career, and you might also ever have but i'm not doubting he might turn in to be a good coach mm-hmm. he's still a young manager but he was just severely under pressure it must have been daunting being in that tunnel and seeing how toxic it was turning and then on the pitch it was just going so horribly wrong and then yeah as we mentioned the way he had to exit it was just yeah it was, it, it was, it was just a but it was expected. I think everyone online was saying that after the Diable game, Easter Road, because I was shocked we had sold out our allocation, the lower tier, then it opened up the upper tier. Right. And it was like, it just shows how passionate Aberdeen fans are that they could be at the lowest of low and people are still going to back them in high numbers. And yeah. uh, as climax said, Aberdeen fans were st- still sang and still, I know a lot of people left at half time, but I th- there was quite a few people yeah. I knew, deliberately wanted to stay to the end so they could vent that anger, and maybe rightly so as well. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah, J- J- Jim Goodwin and his tenure, it just, what was it, 17 wins in total? If that, yeah. and, and, you, and, you, and you think to yourself, a club of Aberdeen need to be at least winning 50% or more of the games you play, And when you're seeing sides like Livingston able to be breaking the top six on a shoestring budget and we're getting things so horribly wrong when, let's face it, we spent, Goodwin was well-backed as well. Spent a lot of money. It's guys like Sharon Morris, who quite rightly folk on fan forums last night were saying he's not been in the match day squad the last three weeks. And since coming on against, in that infamous Rangers game, he's been nowhere to be yeah. seen. That's 300,000 down there, Jane. You've got Jane Richardson who paid money for, Like, it's players that, that's why I say, it has to be a collective responsibility because you can't just put on Goodwin and there's no chance, surely, him as manager agreed or wanted to go into the season with just two senior centre-backs. One who can't play against Celtic. You can't imagine a meeting between him, Dan Mobey and Stephen Gunn all agreed that was a sensible thing for a club of Aberdeen stature to do. But... God knows, I think it's only got to be the start of things maybe coming out and hopefully changing for the better.
0: I think, though, on the Liam Scales signing, that was a player that Jim Goodwin wanted, a player that Jim Goodwin admired as well. So uh, I agree might not have wanted to go into the season with two centre-halves, but he wanted Liam Scales, so he knew what he was doing by bringing him in. But, you know, Jeff Moran, who was obviously at the game yesterday, previous comment I brought uh, brought up um, about the, the toxicity toxicity of the away end um from halftime kind of onwards but again you've kind of been talking about jim goodwin and, and the players and jeff's main gripe with jim goodwin was the fallouts with so many players and you just need to look at the match day squad um from yesterday's game with noviny beow and jaden richardson um with the rumours circulating that both of them were um told that they can find new clubs although i wonder if that changes now um on the back of the news yesterday but Jane Richardson was a player that we spent four hundred thousand pounds on, um. In the summer, Shaden Morris, as you mentioned, there another player we played, uh, paid six figures for. It's a lot of money we've wasted. Um, I'm gonna say in, in the summer, <laughs> in six months to see players go. But I think that's that's a fair um, accusation to to throw out. But the other gripe I've got is there was you know stories coming out yesterday as well from well respected I'm going to call them Aberdeen fans and who had comments that the board had made the decision to sack Jim Goodwin on Wednesday but it was actually Cormac himself who overruled that decision uh, and said that they were going to back him going into the weekend and Robbie as I said um, earlier for maybe some people that weren't tuning into the show at that point was of course the club did have two statements pre-prepared on Wednesday and you just need to kind of also take a look at the way the statement read you could tell it was drafted and done by Cormac himself so that's why yesterday a lot of my anger was towards Cormac because if that is true that he overruled the board's decision and wanted to back a manager who ultimately he did a point ultimately as you've said he has backed well financially he's cost us another three points Um, i'm not saying um we would have we would have you know lost the Jim good when still being in charge on Saturday. but I would like to think the players would have put in a bit more effort as well. So that's why personally I had a lot of frustration towards Dave Cormack. and you know look, Dave Cormack's a very good game. Uh, there's no arguing about that. And um, he puts his money where his mouth is. Yes, I, I'll agree to that as well. But when it comes to footballing decisions, there's, there's uh, still question marks um, around there. Um, but, yeah, we'll come into his post-match comments a, a little bit later. Um, let's look at the players, though, next, Robbie, because there's obvious deserved flack, as I said, coming the chairman's way, coming the football monitoring board's way, Goodwin's way, but the players, they wear that shirt, they represent this club, this city, they represent us as fans when they take to the pitch week in week out. (laughs) To be fair the last 10 days has been nothing short of a disgrace from anyone that has taken the pitch to represent this club. They've fallen way below the standards that I'm sure the manager and chairman were hoping that they would produce way, way short of the standards that we as fans expect to see from players playing for this club.
1: Yeah, Glenn, and the thing is before that World Cup break, we went on a run of four wins and six and we're sitting 3rd a game in hand. So when you can you know these players are absolutely capable and I still don't think the squad on paper, if the right manager or coaches come in, could still maybe salvage something. But just see when now we've seen how much they can dumb tools we know the type of characters that are involved in that dressing room and it's clearly it's i, I don't even i don't even know where to start with a finger pointing but I, I think we can all people tune in yourself can agree that you sum it up so well they're supposed to be representing our club our city the passion they see it week in week out the passion we show for the club and when you're not seeing that back in return, at least a bit of effort, sometimes you can admit losing a game if you play well, you go into every, you win every second ball, you don't struggle tackle, but when it's just like an evident lack of effort, you know there's something bigger, you know there's a bigger issue than just the manager, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing Jonathan Main's comment there about a disgrace to a man, I think that Absolutely. If I if I was a paying punter, at Easter Road, or even I was at divel as well, but you'd be wanting reimbursed. I know some vote would say you, you know what you're getting into following Aberdeen going to these games, but it's when the player when the players are, know they can leave Easter Road, they still got to pick up the handsome salary, and it it just we've got to remember. There's a game on Wednesday. There's going to have to be a press conference with whoever is taking charge and a player within the next 48 hours. So that's really when the popcorn has to come out and we we find out what their perspective is. Because I was like, I kind of assumed there wouldn't be a player speak after the game yesterday, but I was then searching Red TV when I got home to see, I wonder if there'll be something like Stuart as captain, will he Mm. front something up? But I've got a bit of a hunch Cormac May I, I? I'm may I be deluded here, but he's he's watching the games. He's at the games. He can see Stuart's not a leader. I'm sure he won't be captain for the game on Wednesday. I might be wrong, but that was Goodwin's choice.
0: I I don't personally I don't see it. Um, but I guess you never know. But Johnny's point about the players being a disgrace to a man for him, I, I tend to agree with, especially he says they need to make up to the fans for the shambles of the last 10 days. But at this point from David McLennan, I meant to bring it up earlier. You know, Callum obviously is um, coming back from holiday today, so he will be joining me over the next couple of days when we reconvene to preview the St Mirren game and also discuss any incomings and outgoings that might take place over the next 48 hours. David picks up on the point that Callum was relatively happy going into the World Cup break. And I think it's not just Callum, I think most fans... Um, were relatively happy given our lead position and the fact that we were clear of hearts with the game in hand. But he picks up on the um, the point of that he thinks the rot started with the tactics adopted to try and take a point off Celtic. When that went wrong, the house of cards collapsed. And you can't really disagree. disagree. Yeah, it is because I also wonder if that's as well the point when the players kind of gave up the ghost with Jim Goodwin as well. Because that was really, as he says, the start of that house of cards collapsing and really kind of the start of the lack of effort coming through from some of the players. And I just wonder if they had, you know, the manager putting the doubt the doubt into their mind about their ability to go and beat the likes of Celtic. And yeah, it, it, it's quite an obvious point to, to pick up on, but, the point david makes is hard to disagree with
1: yeah as soon as i, I read that i think a lot of people are point quite rightly point to atlanta but then that subsequent game against celtic to when yeah. you're playing with everyone behind the ball and hardly register a shot at joe hart's goal and just the way that whole setup was that day the fact that the fact that it was one nil papers over the cracks because i'm because if you look at it, oh a one no defeat the celtics not terrible but if he's telling these players oh you're not good enough to have a go at the best team in the country, then what, what ambition What ambition has this club got? And yeah, we don't know exactly what, obviously, Goodwin and Joe Lewis alluded to the fact that there was some harsh words said after the Dyval game, but it'd be interesting to know what their perspective, as we're rightly getting into the players' for professionalism, but maybe... Because football, it is obviously about ability. You have to have that talent, but mentality as well. And sometimes if someone said something so damning to you in a pre-post-match press conference, or not press conference, like beef in the dressing room,
0: yeah.
1: they, 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 they clearly, because if it was one or two folks just not performing, you can maybe, you can never carry passengers, but you'd maybe give some leeway. But when it's a whole yeah. collective, then you know that it's, there's something that, it went wrong and the house of cards collapse is kind of a good way to put it because it is and we just we just need to find a way of stopping it collapsing and getting, if it can get any worse, making sure it doesn't.
0: Well, we're only nine points off the bottom of the table, so it could get worse
1: quickly if we're not careful.
0: But, you know, on the players as well, you know, I saw your clip that you put up on your Twitter page um, after the Darvel game we we spoke about it me and Johnny on the, on the last show Anthony Stewart's comments you know saying that players need to stop you know it's not a joke anymore we need to take the situation seriously and um, I guess they're going to start that from Wednesday because they certainly didn't take the situation seriously yesterday you know Johnny himself said players need to stop treating Aberdeen as a bit of a holiday camp and um, you know maybe that is down to having too many lone players here just trying to use the club as the club have said themselves, as a stepping stone to get into England or go further afield with their careers wherever they see that that going. You know, as I also said earlier, Willie Miller trying to make the point, maybe execute poorly about the foreign players coming into the club and maybe not understanding what the club means to us as fans um, and the importance of the club and, and that not coming through, um, but on that point here, um, Lewis is in the comments here. And if obviously, we're doing this this show live. Um, regular Twitter exclusive person that seems to know all the in ongoings of the the transfers. Harold or um has tweeted out that um, Ajax goalkeeper Jay Gorter is set to, to join on loan. I think. Well, certainly after some of the goals in the manner we conceded them yesterday, I think a goalkeeper is very important to get in, on, or in between now and the end of the season. Um, so good to see that being addressed regardless of who is in charge. I know there's also a story, I think, being run, I think it was by the Daily Record, Robbie, that um, there was a couple of players waiting to see what happened with the manager before um Joining the club, so interesting to see if yeah. I think you know, I think the guy
1: Coadley from uh, Tranmere was one of them who that's been an ongoing thing since before the transfer window yeah. about trying to get him a free contract. But I think because Koymak and I know a lot of people are going about his ego and things like that, but he might have to swallow. He already has to swallow some pride with what he had to yeah. do yesterday. But he probably will like take matters into his own hands and have to go in his own pocket and maybe not just with the restructure, which we're to go into, but saying the goalkeeper, like, to me, um, I've said this for since the start of the window, especially since Keller, Rus has been injured. You need a goalkeeper, centre-back, right-back, and striker probably now Ramirez is gone. But when you're leaving it to the last few days of the window, I was worried that it could be a Canberra, Hornby and Hendry situation again. <laughs> but is from Ajax and seeing the way Joe Lewis is playing, which we've gone about the topic of sad. I think just need to talk. But this podcast is um, headline is a sad day for Aberdeen, but yeah, Joe Lewis. It's, considering how reliable he was under McInnes for that that two three year spell, the last two years, and there's a reason. One thing I will say, Jim Goodwin, it's a reason why one of the first things he did do when he came into the club was search for the goalkeeper, I remember it was Jack Anik initially, I was looking at, I think Seagrass was one and then we got Keller Roos but yeah, fair play, was still, because that was a question mark I had over my head last night recruitment, what is going to happen now there's no manager in place or plan in place but when you've still got Dan Moby, that's probably one that he might have known because did see Koymak. 26 countries our scouts have been to so surely you can find a competent Center back from there, and I just want to backtrack not backtrack but say about Stuart with the captaincy and just the way things are panning out for him. And that press conference was saying, Think not everything's a joke. What I'd like to know the context what he's alluding to, what he's seeing as captain. Like at Dybul, I was furious because I could be right up it to the pitch, and he didn't seem to show that captain side of him in terms of shouting and. Leading from the front, but I will i will credit him because the abuse he was getting full time yesterday was crazy. But he still, I think, it was five of them: Povara, robert Hayes, all went over the fans, the rest of them went down the tunnel. So at least he faced up to that because that would have been a very, very tough when everyone's giving the middle finger to you and calling you this, this, and that. It's not easy. Um, on a human level, I'm maybe just too empathetic. Some folk in the comments might say we're Goodwin and Stuart but I see it on a human level that yeah, he's being he's cost us a lot of goals, and he's been handed captaincy when it's probably beyond his capabilities. But like at least he at least he tried to at least go over the fans and not yeah, struggle I, think, I I think you can't argue that point
0: that he's not afraid to face up to the problems and certainly face up to the fans. There's certainly too many of that squad yesterday that that couldn't think of anything better um, than to get into that shower after the, the game yesterday instead of facing up the, those that paid good money, of course, to, to travel down to, to Edinburgh. But on the point of recruitment as well, once again, we've got rid of a manager in January um, and left ourselves little time to bring in players over the course of the next 48 hours I think it'll be um, by the time most people are listening to this episode anyway for those that aren't tuning in um, on the live just now but Dave Cormack yesterday in his comment spoke about the style that, that we as a club are looking to play Anthony Stewart as a player does not fit that style yet we signed him anyway So over the next 48 hours, to try and resurrect this mess, what sort of player are we gonna try and sign? Are we gonna try and sign a player that fits into this style that we want to play? Because if we bring in a new manager that doesn't fit this expansive, entertaining football style, again, like Anthony Stewart, we're in a bit of a bother, but you could then go into a manager that is a bit more defensive minded which we certainly need uh, away from home especially who then has ball playing players that are maybe not comfortable playing like that so we're in a bit of a sticky situation between now and the summer, not for the first time though and it's going to be really interesting to see what the club do because I definitely do not want us to rush the appointment of a new man uh, to, to take charge of the club but we do need recruitment between now and the window closing.
1: Yeah, definitely, Glenn. It just feels like we're going round in circles and it's a hint of deja vu. After, like, people people need to remember this. Derek McInnes went on a 10-game without scoring run and it was probably right that he left. because I'll address that now because I've seen a lot of people online say, oh, we, um, it never got rid of Derek, this wouldn't have happened. We were going downhill at that point at the end of his tenure, but it feels like we're going round in circles because Goodwin came in and inherited glasses squad and didn't fit what he was wanting to do, so I had to get rid. And now whoever comes in now, going to have to do the same. But you look at Hearts for example, they're now saying they've got a blueprint, or they're starting to find the blueprint and saying players that suit what they're wanting to do. And they've built that squad that even if players are injured or unavailable, they've got a big enough squad and the right type of players that can come in and fit into certain positions that work. I don't feel, we go on about the club's remit and Cormac, as we both said, he speaks a good game and it's easy to buy into sometimes, or for me maybe, um, the passion and what he says and yeah, I want this for Aberdeen, make Aberdeen great again and all that. But some sometimes you've got, you've got to think, what are we actually trying to achieve? We keep on going about, and Stephen Gunn, I think, was trying to use the example of some Norwegian club about the way we develop and sell players. But it's, it's, a, it's a bigger picture needs to be looked at with this club. And that's why I know you rightly say about recruitment and we need players in because I don't think we could take watching that same bunch of players, especially defending away from home till the end of the season. But look at the last rushed appointment, what happened. I think a safe, we probably go back to when, I, when Craig Brown came in and steadied the ship after McGee. We need something like that at the moment, in my opinion. I'd probably maybe even hold up the summer unless unless they knew. That, that statement could have been to buy them time. And they've already been, because... I've, I've heard things in the grapevine, but I don't know the truth of them um, about already sending out managers and talks of folk coming up to Aberdeen to speak to Cormac and everything. And that could easily be the case. It's probably a sad reflection on Jim Goodwin that was already doing that, if that is the case while he was still in charge. But it's hard with this club. I know this from what something Callum says on the show. You can something expect the unexpected but usually it's just the worst possible outcome so it's hard to know what climate will do now you obviously said there'll be things said in the meeting today and I'd hope that car journey back up to Aberdeen there've been a lot of phone calls being made and, and don't know if for one should be feeling for his job for the start but I, I just, it just it, it pains me to say it but, yeah, at the start of the season was all this wanting to be back in Europe and everything. We are very much not in relegation dogfight, but very much in the same position as last season that we could probably, if get a right same pair of hands, we could steady the ship, sort out the defence, ditch this try to play attacking football, play out from the back, and just do what I expected Jim Goodwin to do because the submitting team was like that and be hard to beat. I don't, I don't feel we're hard like we're so weak mentally and sometimes physically as a team on a regular basis. And yeah, we both mentioned that, and guys in the comments have said that, before The we were relatively happy as a fan base. But some of the victories we did have with sending offs, et cetera, in our favour. Before that moment happened, we weren't dominant in that games either. And I think that's what, but to remember, I don't really remember watching us this season and thinking, yeah, We've been totally dominant. Like what Hib's done to us, what Hart's done to us. I can't remember an Aberdeen team being like that. And going back to that statement, it's just like Cormac's comments yesterday when he asked to add in about the commercial side. Why add in a great result against Rangers when you lost? Like that just put my head in my hands. And that's the exact same yesterday. Yeah. Certain things that is probably best unsaid because it's just got to trigger people... Yeah, exactly. I,
0: there was absolutely no relevance in bringing up the excellent off-field stuff in improving the fan culture yesterday. But of course, that boosts his ego and makes him look better. So he's done that as well, which is again goes back to my point about Cormac in in general that he says all the right things, and unfortunately, look, all football fans are fickle enough to buy into talk. But as Jim Goodwin said, talk is cheap. We need to start seeing success. But I think you're kind of right as well. The point you make, we need to go back to being hard to beat. Um, I think I've seen a point by Neil Gray on, on Twitter today that I don't want to be entertained. Um, I want results. Uh, and I think that's kind of funda- fundamentally where we are just now, that it's all well and good watching nice football, yes. But if the results aren't forthcoming, then it matters nothing. Uh, Look at where we are just now, and I think right now, we need to make sure that we get into that top six come the end of the season, and then fight, well, the team needs to learn how to do that, first and foremost, is fight for that European spot, because we saw last season that only one team in the top six missed out on European football. If we can somehow scrape into European football this season, I was going to say you could almost pass it as a success, but really finishing fifth and getting into Europe for me is not a successful season, but where we are just now, it would definitely be be an, an improvement. And as as we've said uh, over the last couple of shows, we simply cannot afford to miss out on Europe this season, given the success, the, the financial success anyway, that the heart's had from getting to the, the group stages. I think, you know, in excess of £8 million pounds has been generated through tickets, TV money, And on the back of that as well, they've continued to get their crowds up this season. Um, But if we look at yesterday, um, as I said, we're not going to really speak about the game itself because we could rinse and repeat previous comments from previous shows. Um, No fight, poor final third. I was going to say schoolboy defending, but that would be harsh on schoolboys. But you look at the the way the game ended, Robbie, and the, the final whistle, I mean, that image, that video of Jim Goodwin trudging across the Easter Road pitch whilst both sets of players warm down, I mean, has got to be up there in terms of ways managers have been dismissed um, alongside Steve Patterson being bundled into the back of the car because it's such a sorry and sad sight seeing him just walk off and his players running lengths of the pitch.
1: Yeah, my, my my question now is: We've seen that video, which, as I said at the start, it was really sad to see him, him with his briefcase just climbing over the advertising board. Well, and you wonder what these players, for the warming down, are thinking. They probably, they probably knew the inevitable. His players would have known as those goals are coming in for them that Abrina and turmoil. because they they all right they hadn't been. I don't, I can't remember him winning 6-0 in the last few years either we just gifted them that but yeah where did lee sharp leave from is not my next question we've yeah. seen that footage of uh, jim goodwin what what's lee sharp i know he's kind of faceless other than his disgraceful comments after that dungeon united game but i would like to know what his input of what has happened with him leaving that stadium and Craig Sampson's name wasn't mentioned in that it was just Goodwin and Sharp. So it'll be interesting to see when it says more to follow who that more is because going back to that, Cormac after, it kind of links into everything, but the fact he said he was going to be reviewing personnel at the club or something along that lines, I think he's finally admitting that that does need a rethink because I do sometimes... I'm here no there with Cormac. I'm not a Cormac hater, but I'm not a Cormac lover. But I do see, sometimes sees it as like a vanity project at times. And I, that's why I thought he would try to see out Goodwin good win as long as possible. But then to do that, as you say, and I heard that with both statements, and you knew when they tweeted, what was it, 19 minutes after full-time or something yeah. like that. And you think to yourself, that must be the quickest dismissal ever. And I don't even know if it was right for Koymak to be discussing what it actually in one sense it was transparent but going into the details or he gave me a hug what he said I, I, yeah, I, so, I don't know I, I think it's still raw to me what happened but it just because I've never heard that happen ever in football like
0: no so that that's kind of where I wanted to come on to next and John Mayne put a comment earlier in the show. and bringing it up now. It's kind of relevant to, to what we're going to go in to speak about. What done is done. Cormac needs to step back from being the key decision maker on football matters. Get a CEO and a proper director of football. Take time to get the next appointment right. Um, as you said, Cormac, <laughs> a man who was struggling for words, managed to do plenty of interviews yesterday, um, fronted up to the media, Um, post-match to obviously explain that Jim Goodwin has lost his job obviously you said you're not a Cormac lover or a Cormac hater I I probably put myself in that camp but I just think he talks the talk yes people will say rightly he has put money where his mouth is but I think a lot of his talking is to flame his own ego at times Um, but I mean what did you make of that decision as a journalist Because when Dave talks, it's usually comedic value for a lot of journalists in Scottish football. You just need to look at that Sports Sound interview. What did you make of his decision to, to front up to to the media? And, well, were you surprised he got so emotional as well? well? We'll come into that as well.
1: It's a tough one. First of all, I'd probably use the word courageous because, even, and I've seen Everton fans and other fans of other clubs Take to Twitter and the RTs and say they wish their chairman done that and was more transparent. So, taking that matter in his own hands and fulfilling the manager's media duties, I'll say fair play. The way it went about, and it was just the fact that Sports Down before he even came on was saying, um, and I had it in my ear as well, it was saying uh, that he'd, uh, walk, he'd walked away and all this was happening. And uh, to me, Koymak. Yeah, he, he likes to probably like what I'm doing now, ram He likes to, he likes to ramble on and sometimes not get to that point. And as we both mentioned about just going into the commercial side and academy, I did credit him. He, he was like, I've taken a lot of flack, and we know how much Koymak likes social media when it's well. And there's no way like I even being very angry the other week, outed him. And as I say, he, I I do. There's no way that he doesn't have the best intentions of a football club at heart, but as Jonathan Mayne says, and so many folk online, including myself, he needs someone to, he needs to step aside from being he's a remote chairman most of the time in Atlanta, and he's still trying to make decisions over Zoom, and he's left a what people like to call a travel agent, a glorified T-boy, in charge of a director of football, and he should be, in my hum, in my opinion. Stephen Gunn should be the most important person at this football club. Director of Football of Operations should be liaising with the recruitment, with the PR, with the manager, with the youth academy, making sure everyone is on that same wavelength. And it goes back to the scattered, random approach of the recruitment. But I think from, from Cormac's perspective, I understand why he's done it. He's obviously seen the flack he's got. The fans weren't happy it was left in the dark for so long the other day he's now thought I'll do the opposite I've got this statement waiting it was inevitable that he was going to get sacked anyway we was just waiting for when it would happen a mutual agreement a parting of parting ways I thought might have came at like eight o'clock at night once it was proper discussions but he's clearly just went down he was at the game anyway and they've came to that I don't know what I know you were thinking of crocodile tears and all that. I think genuinely, because I was sad just seeing it all unfold. And it was hard for me to even be professional. And and you could hear Willie Miller's voice, to be fair, how how sad it got to him. So I think Koimak, because he knows now, it's got to cost him. It's not going to come cheap. Because he's going to have to get a top director of footballing. That's without a doubt. And as you say, CEO. And appoint a new manager, which can't be unambitious because third time lucky, the pressure is on. The people are not going to buy into his uh, snakeskin persona if he doesn't deliver. And I know he can put blind faith in anyone. We don't know till the manager's in the role, but it needs to be a proper, rigorous look in long hard look at what's being said. And I want to ask you, Glenn. So what? So what made you, what triggered you? And I've seen your tweet. What triggered you from that statement that really got, like, thought, I why is it corporate LTAs?
0: Well, to be honest, I was in... Well, it was when you messaged that group chat that we're in that he's crying. I, I was more in disbelief that he actually turned on the, the waterworks or channeled his inner Matt Hancock on Good Morning Britain, as I've seen a few folk refer it to as well. But for me the the anger from that side of things came from because what i said earlier in the show about it was him that independently backed goodwin over the rest of the board so that was his decision to keep goodwin in in place so that decision then you know us losing for me then falls on cormac because it was he had opportunity to change things You even just need to look on the wording of the statement, the fact that the Football Monitoring Board included X, Y, Z and me. Everything is about Dave Cormack. But at the same point, you know, I took a lot of criticism for what I said last night. And I'm not doubting Dave Cormack cares about this club. I'm not doubting that he is a fan of this club. Remember, he had to make sure he got that in, that he was in the terraces in 1980 when we won the league. Because, of course, you've got to remember that he's a beach-end boy and he's one of us. Because if you doubt it, he will remind you about it. But I- I'm not doubting that he isn't a fan. I just think the way he comes across at times, the emotion that he was putting into it was to try and buy over doubters like myself with some of the the, the talk that that comes. Now, folk are going to agree or disagree with the opinion that I have, and that's absolutely fine. Because at the end of the day, football is all about opinions and people will be bought over by the 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 works and and some people won't be but I just think we're looking at a chairman that needs to be better in terms of some of the footballing decisions I, I'm not arguing that we were, are maybe in a better position than we we could have been through the Covid period if it hadn't been for Cormac's backing and we wouldn't have some of the players we currently have the likes of Myoski and Ramadani without the financial backing from Dave. But when you look at the managerial appointments, there was not a proper process in place for Stephen Glass's appointment. Anyone that believes that will believe anything. And look, as, as we've said, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Jim Goodwin's appointment was one that most fans were in agreement with, given who the choice of the two managers was. But Again, with hindsight, it has been a rushed appointment and maybe not the right appointment, but we as fans supported that decision. So the pressure now is on Dave Cormack as a decision maker at that football club to get this decision right. But unfortunately, the last two appointments have been wrong. So for me, that's where my angers come over. And also the radio silence over the last week. He was very quick to go out in front of the cameras after the game yesterday, once the decision had been made. Why was he not so quick to do so after Monday night? Even if he came out and said that, look, this result is unacceptable for the fans like he did yesterday. We are going to take time to do an investigation at what is going on at, at the club. That, for me, also angered me that he chose to then show himself in the media once his decision had been made. It's great that he's transparent and that, but he chooses when he wants to be transparent. He's not always transparent. So for me, that's why I, I, I was so wound up by it. But as I said... That's look, not justified. Yeah, but look, I think people are entitled to their own opinions. Brian Murison won. I'll read it out so people that are tuning back in the audio know that people are disagreeing with me just now because they might not follow us on Twitter. Brian thinks I'm being too harsh on Cormac. He's put his money into the club. Agreed, Brian. Wants the club to win. I'm sure he does, Brian. Again, agree. Feels the pain that other supporters do. Milne also made plenty of bad choices with managers. Again, that's points. Brian makes excellent points. Hard to disagree with. But as Jeff Moran says, is Dave not running AFC like he runs his businesses? Too much emotion involved. And that was a point I saw Graham Giles make on, on Twitter yesterday. There's not arguing around whether just because Dave Cormack is an Aberdeen fan doesn't necessarily make him a good chairman. You can still be a bad chairman through bad decisions. Um, maybe I was taking the emotion of Cormack's emotion out of it and seeing it from a wider perspective but look emotions were inevitably running high on the back of yesterday and, and the last 10 days so people are going to have their opinions on what I've just said over the last couple of minutes and look everyone's entitled to their own opinion on it, it, it but it's going to be in a big a decision that he's going to have to make on who takes charge of Aberdeen next
1: Yeah and Glenn you justified it a bit better to me now Now you put in that into words why he was annoyed at Cormac. And I'll still stick by, I say, fair play. And kudos to the chairman for doing that. But he does. It's like with social media. When things are going right well, it'll take to Twitter. But when we're on such a bad run, there's video yeah. silence. And I said this on Monday night on in the car home from Darwell and on Tuesday when I'm still silent, that the club should just say, if they're not going to pull the trigger right at this moment, at least acknowledge this was a real low in embarrassment for this football club in a 1220 year history, etc. We are going to review things and we'll give an update. But when the longer it was like we're not heeding anything, and then even to be pedantic, you knew it was Corey it and it hadn't been through Zoe because he's like, and me, and it's like it should be I. So it's like it was very rushed and it was just like, I, I don't like to be critical because. It, as people tell me, who's the, who's the buyers for Aberdeen Football Club? We've seen a lot of people on social media saying, Cormac needs to go as well. He's done a lot of right things for us in terms of being training ground and off-field success. But as Jim Goodwin said, Annie, knows, talk is cheap to win the football fans back. What matters the most is performances on the pitch and quite rank, rightly not being good enough. And the fact that we all knew well, there was rumours going around when McInnes was still in charge three months before he left that Stephen Glass was going to be the next manager of Aberdeen. Says a lot that Cormac, when he came in as chairman, clearly thought, oh, Stephen Glass, and he likes, he seems to like this reference in things of the past. So that's so. how he might get into what's going to happen next. But I wouldn't be surprised if he turns to a from the greater two, thinking that'll salvage him or buy him time or whatever, and I was astonished that the Football Monitoring Board, who, who it comprised of, there was no football heads, Willie Garner, who was last properly involved in the 80s, I think he certainly speaks well on Red TV, but other than that, if they're the people, the decision makers at the football club, that is a big problem, and people tell me, and you know, friends I was speaking to this morning in chat, saying, oh, Aberdeen, they can't see us attracting a decent manager, who'd want to come here? And it's even like Queen's Park They appointed Marin Bucher as director of football from AZ Alkmaar, fourth or fifth biggest team in the Netherlands, and he left them to join Queen's Park and team their project. And it just needs to get, if we get things, everything going in the right, everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. There's no reason why we can't get the structure right. And there's no doubting that I think, I'm not saying, I think we can, but Cormac, the decision-making of the next appointment and everything that goes on now needs to be put in the hands of someone else. But it can also, who you're appointing as director of football is like you're appointing a manager. It needs to be the right person. There's no point just sticking the next T-boy in. You need to actually go a rigorous approach and be looking and like, what's out there, what's your yep. the limit. And... Is, is that song, rip it up and start again? And that's exactly what was going through the Magnet full time yesterday with this club.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, like, before Stephen Glass was appointed, there was talk of the Cowley brothers um, being interviewed and taking the Portsmouth job mid-interview um, or, or certainly turning it down for the, the Portsmouth job. But as Mark Robertson says, the only way any owner, leader, CEO can be successful I guess it's not just Aberdeen, and being business in general is getting the right people in the right roles who have experience and knowledge. That takes us on nicely. That last point, who have experience and knowledge, to our director of football, who must be probably turning his phone off and hoping he doesn't get a call from um, Cormac over the next few days. And actually, just on that though, I do want to to, to point to pick up on that point you made. It, it does take a lot of courage for Dave Cormac to to, to front up the the media after the game yesterday and, and say what he did uh, on the on the back of... Because, as you said, he's been taking a lot of flack. So I will give him kudos for that, but everyone's going to interpret the way they do. But where do we go now from here then in terms of... I assume there will be more changes. You know, you, you point up the, some of the comments that the Cormac made in that. Director of Football, who... I think we'll, like I said, be on a shoogly peg. Alan Burrows, um, former Motherwell CEO, is currently available. Do you think that's somebody that Dave Cormack might be looking to in terms of attracting him to the club? Obviously, very open and transparent on social media as well, is Alan. And then in terms of director of football, would that be someone we would look to appoint in line with a new manager or look to have that as someone again? Who knows the club? I I seen a few people in, in the comments uh, mentioning Willie Miller's name uh, as a potential director of football.
1: Oh, well, Willie Miller certainly gets it, and that's that's what we want. We want people that get what it is to play. And I may be reading what he said in sports. But I totally he got it wrong in terms of calling out foreign players, in a sense. But we do need more of that people that people that know the club and know in. It's like that whole Andrew Constantine thing. I don't think he was, um, I didn't really think he was a feature to be still starting games for Aberdeen, but he would have been the perfect when there's such a turnover of players. You'd always see him about the city and like a normal person, he knew what it meant to play for the club. So him as an ambassador for those players that was coming into the club, might have helped them ingrain and know what it meant a wee bit more, but it just feels like they don't. And Alan Burroughs, I, I absolutely would, think he'd be a great CEO because a CEO and director of football are so different. People don't realise that. We probably need both. But the problem I heard was he stepped down from his beloved Motherwell due to stress reasons. And if you're stressed at Motherwell, well, <laughs> the circus of Aberdeen Football Club might uh, take it to the next level. So yeah. I think Dave might be one that he would contact for sure because in Scottish football terms, it's someone that you'd probably look to have seen him and Leanne Dempster both mentioned as people that would suit that role and then as I say with the director of football it probably should be someone that knows the club but then I'm using that guy that my good track record Queen's Park got I just wonder how it is going to be in my opinion depends what the remit is going to be is it going to be someone that's going to be above the manager and be telling in their ear and like properly leading the football operations, like a sporting director sort of thing, mm. or is it got to be someone in line with the manager that comes in? And yeah. Russell Anderson's a good suggestion as well, to be fair.
0: Yeah, I can't be bothered with that that suggestion of, of Russell Anderson, and Mark Robertson saying, William Miller, despite being one of his all-time great players, not for directive football, we've moved on too much. I kind of actually do agree with that point. Um, I do think we have probably moved on. Sometimes I, I listen to Willie Miller on Sports and I think you're kind of stuck a bit in the past with some of his views um, personally. Uh, that, that That's my opinion on, on him. But again, um, people rightly view him as a, as a legend of the club, but some of his opinions, um, yeah, not not quite there. I just wonder with Willie Garner um, being involved in the Football and Monitoring Board and currently involved with the club, if he might be put forward as a potential director of football but again I don't really want people that are under Cormac's current wing if you want to call it that and the so-called yes men or puppets that that Stephen Gunn appears to be Um, but I think we need certainly a director of football that understands the, the modern game but also is willing to work with the new manager but then as well we also would need to have a manager willing to work with a director of football, because not every uh, manager that you you bring into the the club wants to work under that sort of regime. So, um in, interesting to see where we go. As I said, though, Cal uh, Robbie, we can't rush this appointment. We need to take our time. So, in that sense, it'll be interesting to see who takes charge of the team come Wednesday. Craig Sampson remains on the. I was I say coaching staff, and um, maybe on the sub bench, given, of course, his appearance on the, in the Scottish Cup. But of course, we have got Tom Ritchie as our backup goalkeeper for that. But I wonder if the management team or temporary management team on Wednesday could consist of Craig Sampson, Barry Robson, and Johnny Hayes to be the most ginger management <laughs> team in a long time. Just as well, this game is being played in January, not the height of summer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I think that was a three that I assumed would probably be in charge. I don't know how much is in it with the rumours that Robson, that was by discussions midweek, took so long because he turned down the opportunity to be interim charge. I do mm. remember when he was asked about management before, he was like, you'd um, be stupid to willingly go in to do this or whatever, but surely he's the only capable hand you couldn't imagine into, like I'm not call, Johnny Hayes a legend of this club so I'm not calling him out but he's still been part of this debacle it's been u- unfold over the last 10 days so I personally would want n- none of the people that's been involved in this overseeing the next two games because climate mentioned specifically the submitting and mother all games maybe it's just because they're the immediate ones I don't know
0: I was actually gonna just interrupt there because I do actually think if you look at the way our fixtures lie, you probably would expect an interim manager to take charge of those two games because after Motherwell, we do actually have a week's break yeah, because, because, of Scottish course, Cup. the, the Darvel disaster means we're out with the Scottish Cup. So we do actually have 14 days from playing Motherwell to, uh, well, it'll be a baptism of fire for whoever takes charge because of this trip to Parkhead that would be any new manager's first game. But that would give us plenty of time to, you know, for example, that's. 10 days from playing St Mirren to that first weekend where we don't play, you could argue to do a decent search, get interviews lined up. And if you were appointing a manager within that that weekend, you then got a new manager that's got a full week to work with a group of players to get his ideas across for that game of Celtic. 10 days certainly might seem rushed. and I don't want us to to rush it just in that 10 days, just to, to get somebody in unless it is, of course, the the right man for the job. But I think, yeah, I think we would see a temporary manager, uh, coach, whatever you want to call them, in place for the next two home games coming up. And I think it'll be interesting to see what atmosphere it, it is like on Wednesday. What, what do you think we can, we can anticipate for that game?
1: Yeah, because well, obviously this is just the morning after the day before where it's yeah. so raw. And I've seen... Like myself is I'm not I, I'm unfortunately won't be up in Aberdeen for the game, but from what I've seen, people are like, oh, make it as talk to the for these players and get people want to get on the players' back. We need to now come together. This is a fan base. I know you always it's always got to be different viewpoints and disagreements. I think the one thing the most united I've seen the fan base was on Monday night, Tuesday morning, waiting for that statement, wanting a dismissal, but. You need to get you need to get behind the team. It's our club, it's our city, as you rightly said earlier. There's no point making... The players, they've done tools, but the confidence is probably shot as well in that sense. The longer we make it hard for them, it's not just making it hard for them. It's making it hard for us to watch as one, and we're not getting results, and it's going to end up costing us more in the long run. So I don't think... They'll be getting many extra bums on seats from paying customers for Wednesday. But those, yeah. in have got to remember, and fair play to certain people that go home and away and have done for years and years. And through the, they'll stick by the team through the bad times. And as few people like Neil McDougall have seen still stick up for what, what's, what's went on. And that that's what we say football is a matter of opinions. And I, ju- I just would hate to see a similar repeat of what's went on, but it's also the players know they're in a hiding for nothing, because if they play well and win, then that's evident with what's went on, but if they lose, then there's a bigger picture of are they just really bad? Yeah. What are you thinking? Are you going to be along the game? And
0: yeah. yeah, I'll be there all, all, on Wednesday night, working in Aberdeen, um in the office on Wednesday, so I'll just stay in town and, and, and go along to the game, but if we look at The game itself, I think, like I said, pre-Hib's game, I think the fans have got to be behind the team throughout. Uh, Again, though, uh, unfortunately, I think if we go behind, there'll be a bit of unrest and uneasiness amongst the support. But let's see how much the players respond, because obviously the accusations have been banded around about downing tools, looking to play to get the the manager sacked. Will we get an interim manager bounce? (laughs) <laughs> on Wednesday night. But I'll touch on this briefly because, as I said, Calm's going to be back. Well, he's back in the country tonight, and me and him will be doing uh, another live probably tomorrow night. So if you are tuning in and, and, and don't subscribe to the channel, remember to hit that subscribe button and get the notifications on because we'll either do a live tomorrow night or maybe again on Tuesday lunchtime, looking a bit more into managerial possibilities as well as previewing the game on Wednesday. The job surely is is still an attractive job to, to many. Um, some may deem it a poison chalice the way the last couple of years have gone. But we should be able to attract some serious names to, to the job, um, Robbie. But if you look at the bookies lists, it, it's quite a grim uh, list. You know, Jack Ross, Paul Lambert, Neil Lennon, three names I absolutely do not want to, to see take, take charge. Is there anybody out there that takes your fancy early on.
1: Yeah. Hibuki's list is very uninspiring when I was looking at that as well and it seems to be like the seems to be split on this next manager because I've seen a lot of people come into agreement that Neil Lennon is the best possible Scottish manager out there and as much as we don't like him we welcome Scott Brown and get him because he's a winner. Wow. <laughs> um, it's Celtic. Anyone should be able to. I know five Scottish premierships and four Scottish Cups is great, but I would I would avoid going for a Martindale, a Lennon, a Ross, anyone that's from that failed Marigold, oh, not calling Martindale, failed Marigold realms, but that sort of scene, because we've done it with Goodwin. Chris Wilder is one that I personally like. I know maybe didn't go so well at Middlesbrough, but he's a lot more experienced in management and managing the Premier League and, got Sheffield United promoted from the championship so if he's if it, the rumors are true that he is actually keen or interested in speaking about the job Chris Wilder because the last two managers were both woefully inexperienced with what they they've expected someone like Wilder I think would be a good option I quite liked I don't know enough about him but the guy Scott Burns put on Nick Montgomery of Central Coast Mariners that would maybe be an out one of those outsider Sort of things, but what I want is just a rigorous approach to it. None, and you say that that 10 days is actually a good point. That could be a window of opportunity, but I shouldn't write off the season because rightfully say we could still get a European Conference League spot. But I think we should maybe just point a safe pair of hands and interim game to game basis till the end of the season, unless we have a profit, what he'd love to call outstanding candidate. And I'm seeing Mark Munn there, Martindale. Did anyone see his interview saying that his prison past basically stopped him getting the top jobs? It was in today's paper. So is that his come-and-get-me plea to teams like Aberdeen now is a vacancy?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the point from Mark Munn there, would we consider Martindale? I don't see why we wouldn't consider him, obviously, doing a terrific job with Livingston. But as Mark Leslie says, Martindale just feels like the same sort of signing as, as Jim Goodwin. Do we need to kind of break the mould of a standard Scottish football appointment that most of the media tell us that we need? I, I to be honest, I'm a big fan of the, the short odds that that Chris Wilder comes in at just now. I think he's a good shout for the job he likes to play with high attacking fullbacks we saw his sheffield United team do that a man that certainly buys into the passion albeit of course he is a sheffield lad so that made it easy when he was in charge there so certainly would tick the boxes in terms of playing the expansive style of football that dave Cormack is after Um charlie adam noted his interest in taking over well, I note my interest in dating Margot Robbie and both <laughs> things will never happen. And um, now you mentioned there Nick Montgomery, of course, Scott Burns um, put forward his name along with Chris Wilder, of course, a name that was being mentioned a lot. Nick Montgomery, as you said, current manager of the Central Coast Mariners. Developed Kyle Rolls, who of course went on to star for Australia at the World Cup, and now plays as Hearts back four. Also developed Gurran Cool, who signed for Newcastle, and um, is on known at Hearts as well. Also, as Scott Burns had relaunched Jason Cummings' career. The former, um, the the manager is also a former Scotland under twenty one manager, and his team in Australia, despite. I think this is actually his first or second season in charge of the Central Coast Mariners. They averaged two goals a game. Again, maybe ticking those attacking boxes. We've seen some relative success of Australians um, or people coming from the A-League over um, into Scottish football. And it'll be interesting um, when Alan McCarley catches up with this episode, what his thoughts might be on the appointment of... um, Nick Montgomery could do, although I was laughing at someone in the comments saying I'd rather have Colin Montgomery um, as manager. Um, Highbury Kev says Frank Lampard or Stephen Gerrard. Um, well, Frank Lampard's never improved the team he's managed and absolutely yeah. not to Stephen Gerrard. I, and I think I, I, I'm kind of with Mark Munn just now. At the moment, Chris Wilder would be my choice given the shit list of managers the bookies are looking at. Chris Hughton, actually another um manager that's getting a lot of uh names put out there as well but i also think this point as well maybe i think mark you're maybe referring to our discussion there on nick montgomery no more experiments and um, let's get it right and i think that is that is the point we can't go for that high risk high reward appointment given the way the last two appointments have worked out, Robbie, this this appointment has to work.
1: Yeah, is it, and that's why it's such a double edged sword. In that, I think us fans need to get not realistic, but know the predicament we're currently in after the Glass and Goodwin's field tenures. That, like, and I'm saying, and as soon as I read that from Scott Burns earlier, I thought, yeah, this guy ticks a lot of boxes, but never mind you, in Scottish football. To come in and then have such a turnaround—is that a good idea? At least while the still British game is quite similar that way, and as you say, the style of football probably could work. But yeah. then it does point to does Koymak go for? I seen someone say Tam Courts, no chance. But th- well, my
0: fear of seeing Tom Courts at ten to one was, of course, he's free just now mm-hmm. as well. Um, and you could argue as well that he was trying to play a nice style of football with Dungeon United. So he, he's a name that I fear if his odds get shorter on the bookies list.
1: It's def- it's another good one, like a young man. In these guys, it's it's because now what we've seen, the proof is in the pudding of what's happened with these last two tenures. It's it's hard to know what, what you want in what these managers will do with this team because we've seen the way this team have acted what is one man in his backroom staff going to do but it needs to be the right person and I'd be getting character references because we go back to that with Goodwin his man management of people and Ramirez Bates mm. Constantine Bell etc the list goes on <laughs> yeah and, 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 Vinny you, you need to you probably need to be not just because I think Dave is maybe a bit too as I said earlier Trusting a people put things in folks' hands, expecting them beyond their capabilities. And I hope that he really looks and dives properly into this recruitment process and gets, and it's not just made from him, his Aberdeen fan at heart and then rushed or whatever. He needs to be speaking to the right people and this people monitoring board need to come together and be, sometimes there maybe should be some harsh words between them what's going on and look at themselves first, because like Stuart Milne's still on the board and Guns looking like he won't be. But, yeah, I agree. With that shit list of rookies, Chris Wilder... And I don't think many people would be upset if Chris Wilder got appointed because it's something up the normal. He's not managing Scottish football. But when Paul Lambert continues to be, like, number one, what's he done is managing your career split in half, really. It started off pretty well and then it's not done anything of note and left Ipswich, what, last year? So... Yeah, Yeah. Filled managers, continually failed managers is something you don't want, but at Aberdeen we've got to be realistic that, no offence to ourselves as a club, if we want a top manager, they probably will have had to have failed at at some point to attract them up to Pertaudry in the first place.
0: Yeah, and I guess I like this point from Moni Fitharo, who says, can we acknowledge that getting it right manager-wise is a gamble? How often do we see good proven managers not fitting luck momentum plays a big part? And I think that's that's a fair point. It, you know, whoever we appoint right now, or certainly in the, the coming days, weeks, however long it takes, will be a gamble, depending, of course, how our form goes between now and the, the appointment. Of course, people may be looking at some of the names we've mentioned, apart from Nick Montgomery, is very much UK-based. Um, I know the ABZ guys are banging the drum of Marty Sifuentes, um, who's managing over in Sweden, um, and a few folk in group chats that I'm in are also banging the drum of Gear Baka, the Leilstrom manager who took them to promotion in the, his first full season. Uh, in charge of the club currently uh, manages 100 games for them with a 53% win rate. So as much as our scouting network is being taken further afield for players, I hope we are doing the same, casting our net far and wide for managers, looking at all um, possibilities. And I think, um, as the ABZ guys banging the drum off, um, Marty has said that he's had quick success in terms of getting results there and then and I'm just looking at um Gear stats. and um, he had a fifty eight point three win percentage at Christiansen, and um forty two point nine at Sarpsborg but he's currently as I said sitting at fifty three with with Lielstrom. So there's gonna be names banded about left, right and center. Fans are gonna like one name fans are not going to like another. It'll be as about divisive as your opinion on Cormac's speech yesterday but I think we'll all agree that unless it is Neil Lennon, Jack Ross, Paul Lambert, we'll have to do our best to get behind that managerial appointment and hopefully there is further changes implemented at a higher level as well in terms of director football and there is a thorough clear out of areas that that we need to see improvement on but Robbie, thank you for joining me this Saturday lunchtime um, to look over what has been a, a turbulent ten days at, at the club. Um and despite your technical difficulties, you could come on and join me. We've done a pretty much a 90 minute debrief. Um so so thank you very much for joining me for that.
1: Yeah thank, thanks for having me. It's been a good therapy session, if if anything, to be honest. But um hopefully we've given a bit of I, I, a bit of um outlook to the future of Aberdeen Football Club and next time I may be on the show it's for a better positive thing for the club and here's to Wednesday night being back to winning ways and a new manager coming in and getting that new manager bounce that everyone else seems to get
0: yeah absolutely um I hope Cormac hasn't watched this well maybe I do for some of his rants but yes as I said thank you to everyone that has um tuned in to the show and remember to hit that like button uh, if you're watching subscribe if you're new to the channel we will be back as i said monday or tuesday with another video so get that notifications on um, and to all of you uh, tuning in on audio we do hope this therapy session uh, as robbie says has been worthwhile and let's see what the coming weeks brings in terms of a new manager come on you reds